Greetings, Word Horde. We're here with an exciting option for you, a version of our podcast without any ads. That's right. No advertising interruptions, just the content you love, ready to go in your favorite podcast apps like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It's another way to support the show, ensuring that we keep bringing you the word stories and language explorations that you love. Try it at waywardradio.org slash adfree. And it's affordable. For just a small subscription fee, you can enjoy Away With Words uninterrupted, except by us. Plus, it makes a great gift. Know somebody who loves language as much as you do? Give them the gift of words. Easy to sign up, easy to enjoy. It's the same Away With Words, just streamlined for your listening pleasure. Go to waywardradio.org slash adfree. Support us, support the show, and enjoy an ad-free listening experience. waywardradio.org slash adfree. Thank you. You're listening to Away With Words. I'm Martha Barnett. And I'm Grant Barrett. Martha, see if you can guess what I'm talking about. I never know what you're talking about. No, no, no. <laughs> no, this is a riddle. Listen to this. Oh, a riddle. Okay, a riddle. Nature requires five. Custom gives seven. Laziness takes nine. And wickedness, eleven. What is it? Sick days? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, calories? Uh, uh... Five calories? What's that piece of celery? <laughs> no. No, it's hours of sleep a night. Listen again. Hours of sleep. Nature requires five, custom gives seven, laziness takes nine, and wickedness eleven. Ah, very good. Okay. That's not bad, right? I get it, yeah. I found that when I was browsing, believe it or not, issues of the Journal of American Folklore from the early 1920s. Of course I believe that. (laughs) Fascinating stuff, though. Really fascinating stuff. There was a collection of riddles collected from black school children in New Orleans in the 1920s. Oh, how cool. I'd love to see that myself. All right. Well, here's another one from the list, all right? Okay. What is it you will break even if you name it? That I'll break even if I name it? Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. You're blinding me with... <laughs> oh, silence. Silence, silence yes. Sounds yes. like what is you were it you tugging bre- on your ear. Yes. What is it you will break even if you name it? Yeah, if you name silence, yeah, you're breaking it. Well, break your silence now. Give us a call, 1-877-929-9673. That's 1-877-WAYWARD. Or send us an email. The address is words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, Martha. Hi, Grant. This is Liz, and I'm calling from Indianapolis. Hiya, Liz. Hiya, Liz. What's going on? Ah, well, um, I had a question for you guys. Um, A little while ago, my husband and I were having a conversation, and he used the phrase... Going commando, meaning not wearing underwear under your clothes. Mm-hmm. Are you going to tell us what this conversation was about? <laughs> um, well, uh, we were discussing where we had we had, had an evening out for a nice evening, and without naming any names, one of us had uh, a, a near wardrobe malfunction with kind of a ripped seam happening all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, but it turned out okay. You know the 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 person involved was able to kind of keep it together, and, you know, it ended up pretty well. Okay, a happy ending. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I was wondering that, you know, I've used the phrase before, and, and I, I know what it is, and but I thought, you know, that is the strangest thing. And I, I was just wondering, how did it come to mean what it means? I think of Commando, and I think of like a, a Rambo movie. Uh-huh. So in other words, you were saying that, oh, boy, I'm sure glad that so-and-so wasn't going Commando? Right. Tonight? Okay. Right, yeah. Go commando, just to reiterate, means to go without underpants, right? Right, yeah. Well, you're kind of on the right track there with Rambo. The idea is that, how shall I put this delicately, (laughs) that going without underpants can lead to a lot of chafing, and probably the only type of person who could withstand that chafing on a regular basis is your your Navy SEAL type or your Special Forces (laughs) kind of guy or your Rambo type, your commando type, somebody who's tough and you know, the kind of guy who can eat hot peppers by the handful without flinching or, you know, the kind of guy who bathes in gunpowder and, you know, lights his cigar with a blowtorch. That kind of guy, right? Okay, or gal, so, for that matter. Well, I was thinking, you know, in a commando kind of situation, wouldn't that be more of a liability than anything else? 
Well, he's tough. He can take it. That's, you know, this is, you know, trying to explain slang in a logical way sometimes falls down completely. So, you know, talking about men's underpants is not a thing I thought I would ever do on the air. But here, yeah, here, well, here we go. Yeah, well, me neither. But, or but men's wouldn't underpants. it be Women's smart under- to wear underpants even if you are a commando? I mean, hey, look, let's say you know, that you're lying, ahead. You're well, lying in wait for the over, enemy for you know, three days in camouflage. You know, maybe not wearing underpants is a good thing. Maybe they have, like, baby pants that drop down in the back so they can do the business <laughs> and, then, and then snap them back up, you know? This is something that I'm totally not familiar with. I've never been a commando. You know, I've been wrong before. I don't know. But I would well, rather do with than without. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm kind of talking about the movie ideal of a commando and not the actual commando, although I imagine that they are incredibly tough individuals who uh, who can do just about anything they put their minds to. But um, first of all, this expression actually is about 30 years old. So that kind of surprises a lot of people. Are you surprised to find that it's that old? I guess I'm not too surprised. Well, most people heard it from an episode of Friends in 1996. There's an episode where Joey and Chandler are having some spat, and for whatever reason, Chandler wears Joey's underpants, and Joey's incensed about it. So um, Joey is forced to go commando in a rented tux, and he doesn't want to do that, and so on and so forth. Okay, well, I've certainly heard of it before 96. Yeah, yeah. yeah it goes, it, I, have, I have one printed citation for it from 1982, but I think it's older than that. Okay. So, Liz, have we helped? Well, I guess. Yeah, that's the usual response. (laughs) I know more now than I did before, which is always a plus. Is it in this case? Well, I'm not sure. I'd imagine that if uh, if there's somebody out there that has more knowledge of this, that they'll they'll be sure to let us know because our our listeners are always on the ball when it comes to saying, "Well, you know, I remember using that in 1942 when Uh when I was in France." Um, So you never know. Yeah, I'm sure the tradition is much older than the expression. Oh well, (laughs) yes, the idea, yes. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. All right. All right, Liz. Well, thank you for your call. All right. Well, thanks a bunch. You all have a good one. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's a perfect slang expression, though. Going commando? Well, having to have a word for going without your underpants, that pretty much requires slang. That's like meets all the qualifications and classifications of what slang is. (laughs) Well, whatever you're wearing, give us a call, 1-877-929-9673. We'll answer your questions about clothes or whatever you have on your mind. You can also send us an email to words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Good afternoon. This is Santosh. Hi, Santosh. How are you? I am doing great. How are you doing? Super duper. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Greenfield, Indiana. Well, we're delighted you called. What's up? My question is, uh, um, I never heard anybody saying, uh, my dogs are barking. That, my, that means my feet are tired. My dogs are barking, my feet are tired. Yeah. Where did you hear, where did you hear it? Well, I, my son and his wife, uh, they were in Germany this summer, and I went to visit them, and we did a lot of hiking and walking over there, and at the end of the day, one of the evening, my son had his feet propped up on the chair, and uh, he smiled, and he said, my dogs are barking. <laughs> uh, he said his wife uh, always um, says that his, when, when her feet are tired, my dogs are barking. Then I said, maybe because my daughter-in-law is pediatrician, so I thought maybe this is a medical term. <laughs> and uh, so I asked her that. She said, no, it's not a medical term. You've I got said, a maybe then one of the kids was dogs. joking or whatever, you know. So I thought I should call you. Well, you came to the right place. You yes. did. You did. And you will hear that expression. It is probably an uh-huh. example of rhyming slang, which uh-huh. is something that you hear in different parts of the world when people sort of jokingly speak in code by substituting words that rhyme with each other. Wow. The most famous rhyming slang you'll hear about is uh-huh. the Cockney dialect of East London. I see. In that uh, part of the world, sometimes you'll hear people, instead of using the word head, they'll Uh use the expression loaf of bread. I see. So they might say, Grant, use your loaf. (laughs) Right, because they they, they rhyme it, and then they cut off part of the rhyming rhyming expression. Exactly. So so in this case, they Uh rhymed it with what, Martha? They rhymed feet with dog's meat. Oh, so it has nothing to do with the barking and all, at all. Well, it, it kind of does later, right? Well, yeah, yeah, because you because dog's meat got shortened to feet, and then it's it's kind of a joke, you know, because uh, if your dogs are complaining, if your feet are complaining, they're going to be barking and growling and, you know, <laughs> prop me up. You know? but, Martha, okay. 
But why why would they rhyme it with dog's meat? For dog's meat, rhyming it with feet, my theory, Grant, and it's just a theory, is that the, it's the idea of, of stinky feet. Well, the reason I ask is because it, it, at one time in London, it was common for dog's meat men to travel the streets, and they would shout, as, you know, as peddlers would at the time, dog's yeah. meat, dog's meat. Uh, and travel down the street, and you would come out, and you would buy usually what amounted to old boiled horse meat from this guy to Whoa. feed your pets, to feed your dog, and to feed your cat. And you'll Ew. find this this character in poetry and song. You'll find this guy mentioned in novel Man. after novel. He often shows up as a kind of almost mythical character in newspaper stories. So it would be perfectly normal for someone to rhyme uh-huh. feet with dog's meat at the time because he was a common character. Dog's meat was just a phrase that everyone would know. And then when it made it over to the United States, we don't really have the barking show up until about 100 years ago in the United States till we find somebody saying, my dogs are barking, meaning my feet are barking. But dogs meeting feet goes back up much further than that. How wow. interesting. So the dogs meet guys' feet were probably smelly and tired at the end of the day too, right? <laughs> oh, and you know what's even more interesting? And this kind of is a weird part of the story. Yeah. Often these, these carts that would pull the boiled horse meat were uh-huh. pulled by dogs. They would hitch up any old kind of dog, and you find stories talking about the fact that you could be the tiniest dog or the biggest dog, sometimes yeah. hitched up side by side, pulling these carts. Wow. Do you see where you sent us? <laughs> I have imagined this. Uh, well, anyway, it's a, it's, a, it's a long, complicated story. I'm glad story, I called you. Yeah. yeah. So, so you're going to use that expression in good health now, right? Yes, I am. Right. Yes. Thank you very, very much. Okay. You're welcome. Thank pleasure you for calling, talking. Santosh. Bye-bye. Yeah, pleasure Bye-bye. to talk to you, too. Bye. Bye-bye. If you've got a question about something that has stumped you for a very long time, we'd like to help you sort it out. Give us a call at one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three. That's one eight seven seven wayward Answers. Get your answers right here. All right, Martha, here's another riddle. All right. Four stiff standers, two lookers. Two crookers and one switchbox. What is it? Oh, man. Okay, four stiff standers. I'm going to guess that's the letter I. And then what was the second one? Two lookers. Two lookers. Okay, I'm going to say those are eyes. Okay, and what was the rest of it? And one switchbox. Lixalixalixal. <laughs> <laughs> no, is no, that, they don't. That's not right? No, no, they don't stand for letters. Oh, well, that's. <laughs> They're the features on a thing. They're what? They describe the features on something. Oh, I have no idea. A cow. Four stiff standers are legs. Oh, a Two cow. lookers are eyes. Well, you were right there. <laughs> Two crookers are the horns. And one switchbox is the tail. Oh, oh, a switchbox? That's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, too, because a switchbox is you think, oh, you know, something electrical in the house, maybe. But no, they're talking about the tail switching back and forth. Yeah. Oh, wow. Notice how I'm not making any cow puns whatsoever, just out of deference to (laughs) you. Well, nice move. (laughs) It's the best joke I ever heard. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Well, if you want to call and complain, the number is 1-877-929-9673. That's 1-877-WAYWORD. And if you keep making puns, I'll run and hide. No. (laughs) Or email us at words at waywardradio.org. up, it's a word puzzle that's right here on Away With Words. You're listening to Away With Words. I'm Martha Barnett. And I'm Grant Barrett, and we're joined by our quiz guy, John Chinesky. Hi, guys. Hi, Grant. Hi, Martha. Hi, John. John. You were explaining off the air the concept of igri. What is igri. that? Igri is a word I, I coined. It, uh, the quickest way to, to define it is the opposite of schadenfreude. When you see something happening to someone, 
something bad happening to someone, and it's so bad that it makes you wither inside. You get embarrassed yourself watching someone else be embarrassed. You empathize with them and with their negative feelings. Yeah, and That's you almost nice. feel it yourself. Uh, I, I, I talk about a lot of uh, television as uh, igri comedy. For instance, Curb Your Enthusiasm, when you see Larry David do something that, oh, my God. Gosh, oh, yeah. you would never do. Yeah, yeah, you're you're always hiding your eyes behind your hands. Exactly, with that show, right? <laughs> yeah, that's Igri. I like I mean, that. Lots of, I like lots of things. I used to call that Freudenschada, but I like Igri. <laughs> that's good. Very nice. That's hey, good. Don't take my uh, don't take my thunder. Igri. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have uh, I have a little puzzle for you guys. I hope you uh, I hope you enjoy it. You're both language experts, so I hear. So you know a heck of a lot about word origins. That's great because I'm going to grill you about the origins. Of several words. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. None of them are igri, by the way, since now I know you know the origin of igri. <laughs> we'll do it like this. I'll describe to you a word with a Latin or Greek root. For example, this word is formed from a prefix meaning to and the Latin word for tongue. You can take a guess. Two is in T-W-O. T-W-O, right. Oh, yeah. I was thinking ad-lingual, but that didn't make bilingual. any sense. Yeah. Bilingual is correct, <laughs> yes. I'll give you a little more that information if you, uh, if you need it, but, uh, including the definition of the word. But uh, there's, the, uh, there's the basis of it right okay. there. Okay. Let's see how well you do. Here's the first. The roots of this word are a Latin prefix meaning out and the Latin word for burden. For burden? B-U-R-D-E-N? Burden. That's correct. Out. So wow, X. Yeah, uh, right. is it really? I don't. I, the French word maybe is related to Latin, fardo, but I, what's the Latin yeah. word for burden? Well, I'm Martha? thinking tumor, but may, no, but maybe that's the Greek word. For, uh, uh, no. no, the prefix the prefix is X, and the word for burden is similar to the, uh, the well, similar to exactly the same as an English word is onus. Ah. Exonerate. Exonerate is correct. There we go. To take cl- take the burden off of someone. To clear then. from accusation or blame. Very good. <laughs> This word is formed from a prefix meaning with or together, and the Latin word for run, R-U-N. Mm-hmm. So it would be concur. Concur. Exactly mm-hmm. correct. Like current and curriculum, running. Right. Concurrent mm-hmm. is course. Uh, I would have taken that. Sure. This word is formed from a Greek prefix meaning with or together, and the Greek word for name. Ah, mm. I know what it is. Uh, go for it, Martha. Synonym. Synonym is oh, correct. Soon nice. is the Greek. This, the, I, may I just say how much yes. fun it is to be playing a game about Greek and Latin roots on the radio? <laughs> yeah. I was oh, hoping you'd like gosh. it. Yes. This is all stacked in your favor, Martha. I'm feeling, <laughs> uh, I'm feeling like I'm barely keeping I up know. here. I I dreamed about this in college. This is very exciting. <laughs> Who this knew? is what you dreamed about in college. That's okay. She was I have lonely. I pinch myself if I she died was, and gone you know, to heaven. Late night in the commons by herself. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> right. The prefix is sin, and the word for a name is onima, as right. in eponym or mm-hmm. right. other words like that. Right. Like symposium. Yeah. Right. Yep. The roots of this word are a Latin prefix for from or away, and the Latin word for way. W a y. Well, the Latin for way is via. V-I-A. That's white. What? That's white. No. White. <laughs> okay. Is this, and, and is the prefix D-E? D-E is right. Ah, ha, ha. So deviate. Deviate is good. I'll the take it. There's another one that I'm thinking of deviant? that means not straightforward or cunning. Um, Devil, devilish. <laughs> no, that's not right. Close. It wasn't uh, deviant. Martha said deviant there in the uh, background. No. Deviant. No, no it's too close. Well, it's close. Uh, it's, uh, I don't know. It's devious. Ah, oh, of course. Ah, it's not devious. There's another word. This is another a devious word. quiz, you know. Thank it's, you. I'm it's a lot you. harder going from English into the... Uh, from, yeah. I think yeah. one of you, I'm not going to say who, one of you was asking for something a little tougher last time around, <laughs> so I'm not going to say who. <laughs> Moving on. This word is formed from a Latin prefix meaning black and a Latin word meaning I, believe it or not. Um... Oh, oh, are you, uh, it's not atrocious. Yes, it is atrocious. Oh, okay. Wow, <laughs> very nice. Good. Explain that one to me. Well, the prefix is atr, A-T-R, mm-hmm. and the word for I is oc, O-C, or ox oh, from oculus. So, um, and it means, of course, extremely wicked, brutal, or cruel, atrocious. Right. That was great. Nice Black work, Martha. countenance, yes. Dark Good. Thank you. The roots of this word are a Latin prefix meaning away, a Latin word meaning hand, and a Latin word meaning to take. Oh, say it all again, please. Uh, okay, it's all Latin. Away, hand, and to take. 
So am I thinking Abe Lincoln here? Oh, yes, you are. Okay. Let's give Grant a chance to... All right. The extra clue of Abe Lincoln. Um, yeah, because that doesn't help at all. So <laughs> emancipation. Emancipation or emancipation. Very good. All you right. guys... Terrific. That was my classics class. That was so fantastic. That was great. I want to send a shout out to my uh, high school uh, Latin teacher. So So there's a quiz, guys. John, that was great. That was fantastic. I got to tell you, that was truly a stumper. Oh, I'm glad. You heard heard my silence, right? Uh, Yes. I didn't bark once. I did hear the silence. Yes, there we go. That was great. That was great. I I felt a little igry here and there. (laughs) Excellent. That's why I aim to inspire igry in everyone. And I often succeed. Well, thanks again, John. Thank you, guys. See you later. All right. Bye-bye. Well, if you have a question about wordplay, language, grammar, slang, regional dialects, ancient roots, give us a call. The number is 1-877-929-9673. That's 1-877-WAYWARD. Or send an email to words at waywardradio.org. Hello. You have a way with words. Hi. Uh, my name is Maura, and I'm in Marin County, What's on your mind today, Maura? Well, I have a question because part of the time I spend in San Diego, which is Southern California, as you know, and half of the time up here in Marin, Northern California, my husband and I have tried to divide our life up. We have a split life between Northern California and Southern California because of grandchildren. Ah, okay. Yeah, so I'm coming up with a kind of a quiz for you or advice. Um, You know how they say when you live... On the East Coast and the West Coast, people say, well, I'm bi-coastal. Mm-hmm. I have a bi-coastal lifestyle. It sounds very cool. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to think of how I would describe a Northern California half-time and a Southern California half-time lifestyle. And it, I was thinking bipolar, but it didn't sound. <laughs> no, I don't think you want well, that. Well, that might fit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know which would be the up or which would be the down. But, and then I thought of, you know, so no... Southern, Northern, Cal, so no Cal, or no so... So no Cal, no, wait, that sounds like a laxative. We're not, it, no, yeah. You're not a so no Cal. Not pretty. <laughs> so you want to know what to call yourself because yeah. you spend time in two places in North and, and Southern right, California. Right, I'm not binational. Mm-hmm. No. You're sort of bilatitudinal, but that... What about bi-cal? Bi-cal. Bi-cal. Bi-Californian or... Mm-hmm. It makes me feel like I have some deviation or something. Bye, Cal. Bye, Cal. Or you could say duo Cal or die Cal. Die Cal. What about something like, I don't know, you you mentioned bicoastal. What about paracoastal? Paracoastal. I'm thinking about the Greek prefix para, like as in parallel. So maybe para, you know, kind of up and down the coast or. Well, Mara, how do you get back and forth? Well, we've been driving. Okay, really okay. I was going to say there was, <laughs> there was a time when I used to fly back and forth from Kentucky to California, and I went around calling myself a jetrosexual. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> but then I, I really like that sounds very actually, interesting. <laughs> but it actually means somebody who can fly off to uh, far-flung countries for shopping sprees. So that, <laughs> that's definitely not me. But no, I, or me I like the term jetrosexual. Going, well, yeah, well, then you could say exonsexual since you're spending all that money on gas. <laughs> I like that. This reminds me of two terms that maybe will give us some stimulus for other ideas. One Mm -hmm. is in South Carolina, they have a term called halfback. And these are people who go down to Florida for the winter, but because it's too crowded or they don't like it, they come halfway back up the country. These are usually people from like New Jersey, New York, and then they settle in South Carolina. So they come halfway back up. Oh, really? And then uh, supposedly in San Francisco, the Chinese there have a term sea turtle which refers to these people who came from Taiwan, Mm. went to school or started careers, and then for whatever reason, because China and Taiwan are booming, they go back. And so they Mm. call them sea turtles because sea turtles do this incredible, you know, a multi-ocean migration. You know, they swim a great many miles on their on their travels. So, So, Mara, if you could be any migratory animal, which migratory animal would you be? Thank you, Baba Wawa. Some kind of flying bird, I think, sounds a better. Bird, a swallow, but the swallows don't go back far enough to San Diego. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, they might trickle down a little. Hmm. I like halfback. Maybe, maybe you're a backup, a backup, a backup. Right, because you keep going back up, back up. Yeah, a backup. Well, well, you have gotten me even more confused. I'm sorry. Well, I think what you've done is is pressed our. We have another hole in the language that we need to fill button. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> so we may have to uh, put on the sirens and everything and, and get listeners to let us know what they think. Well, the sirens are on and the flashing lights are lit. If you've got a suggestion for Moira, what she can call herself because she lives both in SoCal and NoCal, then by all means, give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three, or email us at words at waywardradio.org. Hey, Martha, thanks for calling. Thank you, Martha and Grant, for your ideas and your help. Thank you. Happy travels. Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hmm. Well, we'll have to see what people have to say about that. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Maria from Indianapolis, Indiana. Well, what's on your mind, Maria? Well, uh, there's a phenomenon I've been noticing recently in the news, and that is adding the suffix of gate to anything relating to a scandal. Mm-hmm. And it drives me crazy. The most recent one I saw was Lipstick Gate, which was a reference to Barack Obama calling a putting lipstick on a pig when he was referencing a comment that he made. And uh, I'm pretty sure the origins are from the Watergate scandal, which obviously took place at the Watergate Hotel. Mm-hmm. Right. I want to know why it's so common now, you know, 30 years later, to use it in relation to everything. Well, let me ask you a question. What would you say if I told you that it's not a recent phenomenon and it practically sensed the day that the five men were arrested for breaking into the offices of the Democratic National Convention, gate has been a suffix that has been attached to other words to indicate a scandal? I would be surprised because I've only noticed it in the past five years or so. Oh, really? Uh Imagine the Clinton impeachment plus the O.J. Simpson trial, the first one, and the two wars in Iraq all combined, that's how significant Watergate was at the time in terms of news coverage and the way it penetrated absolutely everything. They talked about it on the, on, on the television comedy shows. There were references to it in movies. There were references to it in the sitcoms and the newspapers. You, for years, you could not escape this term Watergate. So it's no wonder that some form of that word <laughs> stuck around in, you know, in that way. Now it seems like it's attached to the most minor of scandals. Not that's, just the big, the big names. That's mm-hmm. a that's a very good point, and that happens to a lot of wor- words that start out to be rather severe. They usually become ameliorated over time and to be a little softer. One of my favorite examples of this was, I believe it was called Sandwich Gate, which was used in Philadelphia because apparently the vendor who had the permit to sell food there at the stadium wasn't going to carry Philly cheesesteaks or something, and so the local newspapers were calling it Sandwich Gate. <laughs> Um, it was something ridiculous like that. But, yeah, there there are thousands of these gate coinages. And not only that, this gate suffix has showed up in other languages. Oh, really? That's yeah. wild. It, sh- it showed up in Germany and Greece and Hungary and a few other places. It's also in the rest of the Anglophone world. You can use it in the U.K. and Australia, and it doesn't require explanation. That's how deeply it's penetrated into English. <laughs> Well, I hope that's helped. Uh, So we've kind of just, to summarize, we've kind of just explained that these gate words have been coined all along for the past 30-plus years, and uh, gate as a suffix to mean scandal is so entrenched in English that it's probably not going to go away. Okay. Well, I'll uh, I'll listen to it and know that it's not just a recent phenomenon now. No, not at all. All right. Well, glad to help you, Maria. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Well, give us a call. The number's 1-877-929-9673. That's 1-877-WAY-WORD. Or you can email us. The address is words at waywardradio.org. And don't forget about our hopping discussion forums where we post links to stories about language all the time. That's at waywardradio.org slash discussion. Hello, you have a way with words. Yes. Hi, this is Brian Cook. Hiya, Brian. Where are you calling from? Atlanta, Georgia. Well, hello, Atlanta. What's on your mind today? <laughs> Thank you. Um, I have a, an issue between two words, uh, the words may and might. And I read a lot of documents at work and often see uh, people using uh, the word may to express a possibility. And I always thought it was being misused um, and that they should be using the word might. So I went to the dictionary, checked it out, and it turns out that uh, they are, in fact, using it correctly. And I thought may was supposed to be used to express permission as opposed to the word can. So I'm just curious if there is any distinction between the words may and might to express possibility, um, and uh, if so, what it is, and 
maybe how they became to mean the exact same thing. So, Martha, what about the possibilities represented by may and might? Well, may tends to be used, according to the usage manuals, as for the possibility that's more likely. If something's more likely, you want to use may. Might is a little bit more doubtful, and you particularly use might if you're talking about a hypothetical situation that actually didn't occur. You know, we might have gone to the party, but Grant couldn't get his act together or something like that. Right, right. Okay, that makes a lot of sense to me. And the may and can problem is a whole separate kettle of fish, right? Right. And I think you pretty well explained that, Brian, that can has to do with ability, physical ability, and may have, in that situation has to do more with permission. You know, you may now kiss the bride. Right. This is something that comes up a lot, Brian, which is it's a pretty familiar subject to us. All the style guides treat this. They all have an answer. They don't 100% agree, but I think they will generally all say that in casual speech, which I suspect is not the kind of language you're using at work in the documents that you're talking about, the may and might are used interchangeably in casual speech. Mm-hmm. So in formal documentation, if there's if there's ever a question about this, that's a tough one. I, the, these minute differences in the degree of possibility between may and might are probably going to slip away from people. I think Grant makes a great point. In spoken language, we do sort of confuse those two. But in written language, you're well, going to be... Well, it's not confusion. It's, it's, it's perfectly okay to, to see them as the same in informal speech. And I'm not talking just informal spoken speech, but informal written speech. Okay. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's normal. And it's, a, it's the, the history of these words is, is intertwined and, 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 and uh, overlaid with uh, all kinds of complexities that that make the differences um, almost indistinguishable between the two. I suspect that you're going to run into difficulties no matter which one you use. There's going to be somebody who's going to make a claim against you on may or might, depending on which one you use. So if you say may, somebody else is going to prefer might and vice versa. Does that help, Brian? It does, yes. I I appreciate it, and uh, I won't just uh, assume that they were saying that uh, they have permission now. Right, yeah. It's got nothing to do with permission. The, the main thing in this case is nothing. It's a different use of may altogether. It's nothing to do with permission, all right? Right. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thank all you, right. Brian. Thanks, Best Brian. Bye-bye. Okay, have, have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Um, uh, this is a messy one, and I think, I think Brian's, Brian's situation is interesting. He's, he's, he's keeping in mind the important distinction between may and can. Exactly. But unfortunately, it's clouding his decision that he has to make between may and might, which is a separate decision. Well can, said, yes. Can doesn't come into this at all. Right, right. So short version again is may is more likely, might is less so. We'd love to hear about your linguistic dilemmas, your grammatical questions. Give us a call, one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three. That's one eight seven seven wayward Or send us an email to words at waywardradio.org. Support for Away With Words comes from WordSmart, the vocabulary-building software. Improving your vocabulary, reading comprehension, and critical thinking skills will increase your chances for success. Learn more online at wordsmart.tv. And from iUniverse, supported self-publishing. Is there a book in you? Find out how to publish it at 1-800-AUTHORS or learn more online at iUniverse.com. You're listening to Away With Words. I'm Grant Barrett. And I'm Martha Barnett. It's time for another round of Slang This, our weekly slang challenge. Grant, today's contestant from the National Puzzlers League is Chris Morse from Somerville, Massachusetts. Hello. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing very well today. I understand that you're a chemistry professor and that you also teach a class in puzzle construction? I do. I We talk all about puzzles, where they came from, how to solve them, how to make them. It's, it's kind of a fun experience. Well, speaking of language, Chris, do you have a favorite slang word for us? Um, I've been thinking about this a lot, and um, I've decided that of, based on this summer, my new favorite slang word is bromance. Bromance. <laughs> who who is the brother that you were having a romance with? No, 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 no. A bromance <laughs> is a romance right. comedy, like the rom com type oh. of movie where it's just sort of two guys non romantically linked but having a very deep relationship together. Kind of like, like Pineapple, Pineapple Express. Pineapple Express is a uh, bromance. Uh huh. I can dig it. 
I can totally dig it. Yeah, yeah. Well, Chris, are you ready to play our game? I, I think I am. Okay, here's how we do it. Take it away, Grant. There are two parts to this quiz today, and each of these parts has two possible answers. Here we go. He was so drunk, he took $1,000 out of an ATM and spent it in just one half hour in the club's blank. Did he spend $1,000 in A, the bell tower, or B, the bottle room? Bell tower or bottle room? Hmm. Hmm. What do you think, Chris? Um, well, bottle room, I mean, well, we're, we're, we're in a bar. We've spent a lot of money. Um, the bottle room could be like a wine cellar, maybe if this were like an upper class sort of thing, but mm-hmm. kind of a more ghetto way of saying it. Um, bell tower? I have no idea what that could have to be like, unless it's like, like bell, like, you know, B-E-L-L-E, and it's like, you know, a room full of very high class women who oh, are wasting some money on. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it's, kind of it's B-E-L-L, no E, T-O, okay, yeah, well, okay, so bell tower. A tower with a bell in it. And possibly bats, right? Uh, yes. Like an Ooh. elfry? <laughs> yes, for those expensive rabies shots that he's going so to So let me read at. the sentence again, and I'll read the choices again, and then we'll see what your answer is, all right? He was so drunk, he took $1,000 out of an ATM and spent it in just one half hour in the club's blank. Did he spend $1,000 in the bell tower or the bottle room? That's B-O-T-T-L-E, bottle room. I, I feel like it's a trap, <laughs> but, but I think I'm going to go with bottle room. I think I'm with you on that. I think that would be where you keep your expensive good stuff. That's the correct answer. It is the bottle room, but your 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 getting there wasn't quite right. In some of the more shishi and upscale clubs, it's customary to have a special set aside room, kind of a VIP area, where liquor is sold for incredible markups. And what you get with that is extraordinary service, exclusivity, and a place where you can do maybe a few naughty or even illegal things without the prying eyes of other patrons. It's a bottle room. Wow. Yeah, it's well, a lifestyle I don't lead. I was going to say, <laughs> I wouldn't know about that, would you, Chris? <laughs> no, I, I'm a, I'm about to remodel my kitchen, and I think for two drinks I could get new countertops. So. Oh, yeah, it's ex- it's expensive stuff. You can easily spend $1,000 in a bottle room in a half an hour. Easily. No problem. Okay, so All right. good but, work. But you got that right. You got it right. So here's the second one. Dude, he's almost pro on three boards. Snowboarding, surfing, and skateboarding, he can blank like nobody. Is it A, shred, or B, scupper? That's S-C-U-P-P-E-R. Scupper or shred? Um, Well, shred sort of, like, gives me the idea of, like, tearing up, like, sort of like you're tearing up the course. Mm-hmm. So, like, you're going really fast down it, and, and since all of those sports kind of have to do with, like, you know, getting through a course fast and kind of agilely, where scupper, I, I don't know, scupper kind of sounds like a kitchen implement of some sort to me. <laughs> like spatula. Wait, it's out in like the drawer next to the melon baller, right? <laughs> yeah, I think scupper has to do with letting, you know, excess water out of a boat or something. Right, so it could be the letting the water out or putting holes in something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think be... you'd like shred up the course. Well, I would totally use it that way, and I'm going to start using it that way regardless of whether it's right. So so you're saying that a guy who's good at snowboarding, surfing, and skateboarding can shred like nobody, right? Yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. That's great. That's exactly right. It is All shred. Right. And uh, I think your logic was pretty good. When you're, sh- It originally comes from surfing. So when you're shredding, your board is cutting into the waves in such a way that ah. you're, you're shredding the waves, uh-huh. as I understand it. And, Martha, you're right about scuppering. To scupper a boat is to sink it deliberately. Ah, okay. Actually, you're letting oh. water in, though, so it's rather like than scuttle. Out. So it's like scuttling, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's fantastic. You, uh, you got them both right. Well, that was, uh, hey, 50-50 odds each time. I'm <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's not. We'll call them educated guesses. He's a college right. professor. He can do math. That's great. And- and Martha's going to give you a million dollars. No. <laughs> oh, excellent. <laughs> I didn't even need any lifeline. Paid off $10 a year over the next um, um, several millennia. So. Excellent. Well, Chris, thanks for playing. 
Thanks so much for having me. All right. You can find out more about the National Puzzlers League at puzzlers.org. You can also join us here on the show with your questions or comments about slang or anything language-related. Call one 929 9673 or email us at words at waywardradio.org. You can also jump into the fray on our discussion forums at waywardradio.org slash discussion. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Amy Winkle from Walderboro, Maine. Well, what do you have on your mind today? Well, I guess it's been on my mind for a while. Um, the first time I heard this word was in, in college. One of my friends um, told me she was disorientated. And I just, I just cringed inside. Us and I thought, why isn't she using disoriented? And so, you know, I'd, I'd heard, so over the years I've heard people use disorientated and orientated and just makes me cringe every time and and just a few weeks ago actually I was proofreading a document for work and and right in the text there you know it said orientate yourself by such and such and I thought oh you know again but this time I I had found your program and knew that I had someone I could ask about that word and you have someone who's on your side yeah. Oh, good. Well, <laughs> At least from my point of view, I, I agree with you. I mean, for a lot of people, Amy, this is, it is kind of grating, you know? I mean, somebody who's disorientated sounds extra disoriented, don't they? <laughs> yes, <laughs> <To me>. exactly. <laughs> they sound like they, they learned from stutters. Yeah, it sounds like, yeah, they're, they're yeah, discombobulated yeah. or something. But I tell you, the, the simple and quick answer to that is that you'll see orientate a lot more in Britain than you will hear. Oh. There are a lot of people. Yeah, it's it's more of a Britishism. There are a lot of people here in the states who do use the word orientate, but there are enough of us out there who are a little bit bothered by it that I would tend to use orient and disorient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the oh. the usage numbers both in the United States and the United Kingdom are clearly in favor of the non-eight pronunciation that is orient and disorient. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in the UK, although disorientated and orientated are more common there, they're still outnumbered by the orient and the disorient, well, which, is, which is pretty interesting. But the thing is, uh, although you might have a Martha, you might have a personal bias against the orientate. I do. I it do. is a real valid word. It is correct. There's nothing wrong with using it except if you know that you're writing something for somebody who doesn't like it. Exactly, and, and I think that's the point. Yeah, it, it is irritating for some of us. I mean, not so much that we don't understand, but, right. you know, Amy, it, for me, it reminds me of the little boy who said, I know how to spell banana, I just don't know when to stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it is very much like that. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate your saying that. So, Amy, we have a, a support group of at least two here. Yeah, and I, I'm sure there's got to be others. Actually, yeah, I think I know there's others out there. I know there I, are. I would say that one thing in your position as someone who edits text, I gather that you do that, right? You edit text for other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You probably are in a position to create a house style guide or add to a house style guide, and then you can simply fall back on it and say, well, our house style is to say disorient or orient, and so I'm going to change that. And you might find that that gives you a little bit of extra weight because it shows them that you've thought about it and said, this is the way that we prefer, prefer that our publications be presented to the world. And I, I do have that power. You yeah. do. So, you so do. I would, <laughs> I, and you know what? The thing is, creating a style guide is one of those snowball, snowballing things that can really get out of hand. But I encourage you just to add every old thing you think of to it. <laughs> There you go, Amy, changing the world one syllable at a time. Hey, you know exactly. what? Again, if, you, if you're paid to edit text, you have the right, as long as you can justify it, to have an opinion on this and to force that opinion on other people. You do. It's very exciting. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, yeah. So go forth and um, purge the world of orientate. I will. All right. Well, thank you so much for your call. Oh, you're welcome. I was just going to thank you for at least agreeing with me if I can't really do anything about it. I at least agree that it's irritating. <laughs> we can certainly do that. Okay, thanks for calling, Amy. Bye-bye. No Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, if you've got a question about right or wrong, you just want to get on the air and peeve with us and see if you can get us to agree <laughs> with your point of view, uh, Martha is the one to call. I'm probably going to disagree. That's no. right. <laughs> no, the number to call, do call, please, one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three. That's one eight seven seven wayward or email us to words at waywardradio.org. Hi, you have a way with words. Hi, Martha and Grant. This is Tim in Winter, Wisconsin. Hi, Hi Tim. Tim. How you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. I have a historically significant word to ask you about. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah, it's uh, one of the last four words that Abraham Lincoln ever heard. And it's from our American cousins, and the phrase went, 
You suck dollarizing old man trap. You suck dollarizing old man trap. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure after researching it for a number of months, what it means is you ultimately cunning old seductress. It was a comedy line, and Busa shot Lincoln as the uh, audience laughed. Yes, so, you're right. That was So was was Booth waiting for that line in order Yes, he to was deliver? waiting. He was very familiar with the play and he was waiting for the line. And I got interested in this because of a book I read. And the book was uh, Benjamin Armstrong's Early Life Among the Indians and he's talking to old Judge Hall. And in 18 in April of 1864 Judge Hall had a party of uh, Lake Superior Chippewa in Washington D.C. and made this statement, "We were in the theater when Lincoln was shot." And I always thought it was quite interesting that a group of Native Americans would be watching our American cousin. Oh, how and, interesting. Uh, I've just always been interested in what, if I've got the meaning of the word correct, number one, and where the heck do they come up with words like sockdologizing? That doesn't sound very Lake Superior to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. We're talking about the word sockdologer, S-O-C-K-D-O-L-A-G-E-R. That's one of the main spellings. You see it's spelled different kinds of ways. But you're right. It was, it was a made-up, silly word that arose out of a period of great linguistic exuberance in the early 19th century. Apparently, the sock part, as far as we know, probably comes from the idea of socking somebody because a sockdologer was a decisive blow like that last punch in a fist fight that knocks somebody out. The one that settles it for good, right? Right. Right. The right. guy's down for the count. Exactly, exactly. And using that kind of language, I mean, that's part of the joke in that play, isn't it, Tim, that, that you have this sort of bumptious, rough-and-tumble American who falls in with these you know, right. refined English aristocrats, and, and it's reflected in the language that he would say that, that famous line about, uh, I know enough to turn you inside out, old gal, you sockdologizing old man trap. That's, ex- that's exactly the full sentence, yep. Does that help? Did that? You betcha that does help. I just, it was one of those words when I looked at it, I just had to smile because it really it really says a lot about the 1860s and 1850s. It certainly right. does. Yeah, but, yeah, and the term dates to at least as early as 1829, so it's, it's got some legs. It's lasted at least this long. Right, right? I right. love it. I love it. Well, thank you All for right. reminding us about that word. Okay, thanks thank a lot. Thank you, Tim. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, if you've got a linguistic mystery that you think you've uncovered, come tell us. The number is one 929 9673 or email us. The address is words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Carmen calling from Ocean Beach. What's up? Well, I have a question. Um, I graduated from an exercise science program. I'm not sure, actually, if it was a preventive health or a preventative health program, Mm -hmm. but neither really makes sense to me, you know, because we're actually health promotion people, which may be a more appropriate word, but... Like, in, if you're in the medical community, then it's preventive medicine. So that totally makes sense. You're preventing something with medicine. But in my case, it was called preventive health. So I'm wondering which word is appropriate. Preventive or preventative, right? Correct. And mm-hmm. you say that you have a preference for which? I don't have a preference. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think my friends and I have debated it a number of times. And I think that the program was called preventative, mm-hmm. but I'm not even sure because I didn't call it either because it was confusing. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is one of those cases where there are two nearly identical words, and one is hugely common and the other one is not. And in this okay. case, you could probably guess which one is the most common. Preventative? No, no. Preventative oh. is is actually pretty rare by a factor of about 100 to 1. Preventive oh. is by far and away, the word most commonly chosen for this idea of something that's designed to fend off illness or or danger. That's kind of what we're talking about here, right? Right, right. Preventative, and a lot of people actually rail against preventative because of that extra syllable. And and Mm -hmm. that's one reason to avoid it, because you don't want people to be distracted by the fact that you used preventative and not preventive. If you've got something serious to tell them about disease, right? Right. Yeah, Yeah. you want to prevent them from being... (laughs) That's right. So... (laughs) Preventive is, the, preventive is the better choice. Pre- preventative is a real word. It means exactly the same thing. You can use it if you want to, but preventive is the better choice. Even though we're, I mean, we're not preventing health. <laughs> Hopefully. I see what well, you're saying. Well, yeah. no, the preventive isn't an adjective necessarily that describes the thing that is being prevented. 
you would never say preventive illness. Right. Right. So, so it's always going to describe the thing that you are helping to pre- to protect. Okay. You're, pre- you're, okay. you're preventing on behalf of health. So preventive medicine, preventive health, preventive right. measures. Preventive surgery, that uh-huh. sort of thing. Well, preventive okay. me- measures is, is a little bit of an interesting case because there is, there is that second yeah. case. I was hoping not to bring it up. But the second case is um, – <laughs> the second case is the noun. I tried the noun, to prevent him and it just didn't. The noun measures in this case uh, refers to the thing that is doing the preventing. Right. Okay. Right. And I think that's really the heart of your question, isn't it? I mean – Because the health isn't doing the preventing exactly. You're trying to help your health. Right. But like so many words, there's not just one way to use this. But I can say this with 100% surety. In no good, well-written English will you find preventive as an adjective describing the thing that is trying to um, repel or keep from uh, causing harm. You won't say say preventive cancer surgery. I don't think so. Just (laughs) go before health with a positive meaning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for calling. You're welcome. All right. Bye-bye. 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 If you've got a question about language or you want to sort out some subtlety, we'd like to give you a hand. The number to call is one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three, or send an email to words at waywardradio.org. And if you just can't wait to talk about this kind of stuff, go to our discussion forum. That's at waywardradio.org slash discussion. Things have come to That's our show for this week. If you didn't get on the air today, don't worry. You can leave us a message anytime, day or night. Call 1-877-929-9673. Or you can email your questions to words at waywardradio.org. You can also join the conversations going on right now in our discussion forum. You'll find that at waywardradio.org slash discussion. Stephanie Levine is our senior producer. Our technical director and editor is Tim Felton. Tim also engineered our theme music. Kurt Conan produced it. We've had production help this week from Michael Bagdasian. From Studio West in San Diego, I'm Martha Barnett. And from the Argo Network in New York City, I'm Grant Barrett, inviting you to join us next week right here on Away With Words. Ciao luego. Aviento. Let's call the whole thing off. You like potato, and I like patata. You like tomato, and I like tomato. Potato, potato, tomato, tomato. Oh, let's call the whole thing off.